rifling through those long boxes and bagging those books. Welcome to your home for Star Wars comics. This is the Cosmic Force Podcast, a Utini Podcast Network production. And now, here are your hosts, Tyler Reganti, Emma Park, Caleb Lamanek, and Jacob Bosch. Hello and welcome to episode 38 of the Cosmic Force. On tonight's episode, we are tackling our first roundtable of 2022 as we discuss the High Republic Volume 2, The Heart of the Dren Gear. Dr. Afra is in the news again and we'll check in on this week's weekly poll list. But first, let's go around and introduce everybody else that is joining us tonight. And we'll start where we always do. Emma, I heard you're back in, you're back in your college living. Everything's settled in now. That's right. Yeah, I am back. Um, my lights did not work. The ones in my uh, in my shelf there, I think, because it was really, really cold over break and I didn't have the heat on very high. But hey, that's OK. It still looks uh, pretty much OK behind me. I'm, I have a new spirit jersey on tonight and I'm feeling good. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Uh, well, let's head over to Caleb. How are you doing tonight, sir? Excellent. I'm glad to be here. Glad to have another uh, fun roundtable here. It was really engaging going back and rereading this. I'm like, oh, yeah, this was actually really, really good. So can't wait to get into it. Can't wait to talk some uh, some details with you guys and get in and get caught up with the High Republic. Yeah, this was this. I, I needed to go back and re- reread this because this was a while ago uh, for, uh, for, for for us for when we finally got in the, in the single issues. So it's gonna be a lot of fun. Jacob. You're you're also back in spec in school, right? Uh, the, the the second yep. semester. Yeah, uh, it was a little weird because we start so we started last week, but we started on a Wednesday, so it was a short week, and then we had MLK on Monday, so we had that off, so it was another short week. So I haven't had regular school yet, but yes, it's a uh, it's been interesting. Uh, I don't get to read as m- I read a, a pretty solid amount of Star Wars books for myself over break. At least for my pace, like I got through Fallen Star, I got through Lesser Evil, wow. I did not get through Alphabet Squadron, but you know <laughs> that's life. Um, did you yeah. start? Did you? We all start make choices. Absolutely. Well, not since not farther than I started it, like last March. <laughs> I hope Andrew's not here. Otherwise, we got to shut it down. I would be very disappointed <laughs> with you right now. Um, so, all right. Well, if you are joining us for the first time, welcome. We are a Star Wars comics podcast that broadcasts live. Right here on YouTube.com slash Utini every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. But if you can't join us live, that's okay. In addition to the videos being available, we are also available on your favorite podcasting platforms. We are part of the Utini podcast network of nearly a dozen shows and a Discord channel at Utini.com slash Discord with more than 1,000 members and dozens of channels to choose from. If you like what you see and you want to say thanks, then head on over to our Patreon channel at Patreon.com slash Utini where for as little as $5 a month, you can gain exclusive access to the entire Utini Podcast network of shows, as well as exclusive merch, community involvement activities, and other special content, which we will talk about in just a moment. Um, Before we get into the main show, we do have one piece of news we want to celebrate. Jacob, I believe, did you add this into the rundown today? I did, yeah. All right, then I'll go ahead and and pass it over to you. Yeah, so uh, a bit of an announcement for uh, the comic book space. Uh, Glad uh, had announced uh, Dr. Afra is uh, up for the best comic book of the year. Uh, so it's very exciting. Nice. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Glad is an organization uh, that um, it's, a, it's for um, LGBTQ uh, members of that community. 
so they have an award ceremony every year that highlights um, media that uh, showcases members of that community. And if we've talked about it before, because um, Kieran Gillen's like OG Dr. Afra run, his mm-hmm. 2015 run also, or 2016, also received this award. So it's very exciting oh, to right. get Afra nominated again uh, with Alyssa Wong's run. So that'll be very exciting. Oh, I love that. Let's make it two wasn't for two. She, I hope so. Wasn't she nominated for a different award last year, too? Best character or something? I don't know. That's a good question. It kind of sounds familiar, to be honest. I, I feel yeah, I like we've covered something. something. Yeah, she yeah. Won well, yeah something. It's, it's, she, she'd won the award with the old run, but I don't know if she won something else in addition. I feel like during but, since this show has been in existence, so within the last year, she's been at least nominated for another for, for a different award. But I'm not entirely sure on that. But uh, as always, we'd love to see Dr. Afra making uh, getting the recognition she deserves. Uh, so hopefully she will go ahead and uh, I, I guess did, I don't know when those awards are going to be announced. Uh, that's a good question. Let me uh, quickly check their website and see if I can find it in the. Oh boy, that's a lot of text. <laughs> um, not a lot of dates. Uh, May sixth. May sixth. Uh, All right. Well, congratulations. Almost a lucky to, date, right there. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Congratulations to the entire creative team behind Dr. Afra for being recognized for this award. So let's go ahead and move on to our weekly pull list. And uh, while it's a long list, it's not nearly as long as last week's. So, Jacob, what do we have available to us this week? Yeah, so we have three comic books out this week. We have High Republic number 13, The Battle of No Space, written by Kevin Scott, pencils by Ario Anandito. The cover's from Phil Noto. Inker is Mark Morales. The colorist is Carlos Lopez. And the letterer is Ariana Meyer. Uh, we also have Dr. Afra number 18, uh, Conjurations, written by Alyssa Wong, pencils by Minkyu Jung, the cover is by Sarah Pacelli, colorist is Rochelle Rosenberg, and the letter is Joe Carmanga. And lastly, we have Star Wars High Republic Adventures Galactic Bake Off Special. Uh, this is written by Daniel Jose Older and Vita Ayala, uh, pencils from Tony Bruno and Joe Shul jo- 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 Hong. <laughs> Uh, the cover is by Jason Lee, and the colorists are Rebecca Nalty and Joe Chol Hong, and the letterer is Jake Wood. Uh, so three funish. I have not had a chance to read the Bake Off special yet. I don't know if you guys have. Uh, I will say on High Republic number 13, if you have not finished The Fallen Star, that is okay. You could still read that. It is completely separate from the action there. That's right. Yeah. I haven't read the, the High Republic Adventure special yet. It sounds really of, fun. And there's a recipe, the recipe in it, I The recipe is heard? out. The recipe is already okay. out. You can find a yes. recipe oh, for it. Like, I think Eric posted that. And, yeah, and is this part it of... It isn't Daniel Jose Older... Happy belated birthday to, to yes. Daniel Jose oh, Older yeah, as well. Course, that, was, that was yesterday. Um, okay. Doesn't he also have a cookbook coming out? Oh, does no, he? No, uh, Greg uh, Pock. Oh, Greg Pock of... Uh, Greg Pock. That's right. That's right. I knew I there was the I have that pre-ordered. I'm very excited. I'm pretty sure that the recipe was actually written by Claudia Gray, I think. Yes, I'm trying to. Which I, I absolutely Eric love. Slack. Can she do no wrong? <laughs> no, she can't. She can't. It's that, it's the truth. <laughs> Speaking of Claudia Gray, I got my uh, um, signed copy from her local bookstore. I think it was uh, Octavia Books, and it came with a, to my surprise, a poster. the The poster of the for the uh, the Fallen Star. Oh, yeah, I saw signed that. by it Claudia Gray. It. it is huge. That's awesome. It's very nice. I got to figure out a, a cool place to put that. It was a lovely surprise. 
So yes, yes you I can do my, no wrong. <laughs> I, I, I got my surprise out of print edition earlier this week that I for, completely forgot that I ordered until I got the noti- the shipment notification. Ooh, uh, fun. So back here. I now have two copies of both Light of the Jedi. Yes, there is, yeah, there, uh, it is. The, there is the fallen star that Jacob is, is modeling right there. Um, but yeah, I have two copies of Light of the Jedi, The Rising Storm, and The Fallen Star. Um, and I don't remember ordering half of those. So that's what happens. Sometimes. That's okay. It, it, it happens to the best of us, man. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, all right. Let's go yeah. ahead and get into what we're loving expense. this week. Uh, a, yeah, okay. The, Corey, <laughs> you, you, you heard it right here. Let's, let's mark that timestamp. Um, all right. We're going to get into what we're loving. Since this is a roundtable, we are not going to have any art this week. But remember, you can always submit your art by tweeting at Cosmic Force Show or submitting it in our Discord channel. But we do have some notable things as far as before we get into what we're reading uh emma you first recently came back to this galaxy from from visiting somewhere so how was that trip yeah i uh recently came back from galaxy's edge east i went to disney world and you guys it was so much fun i mean i had i had like pretty high expectations for it because i've heard so many good things but honestly it exceeded them and maybe even something beyond exceeding it i don't even know it was it was amazing the rides were amazing the atmosphere was amazing like seriously you felt like you just stepped into a star war and that was honestly the coolest thing rise of the resistance itself is worth the price of admission it was the craziest experience i've ever had and then of course you know the merchandise you know we all know that i love to collect things and that was a dangerous place for me to be, but um, I, I made it out of there under budget, actually. There weren't wow. any legacy lightsabers because of the supply mm. chain issues, which was kind of a blessing because uh, another cool Star Wars-related thing, uh, we we didn't just do Galaxy's Edge. We went to all the other parks uh, except for Animal Kingdom, and when we were in Epcot, uh, it was the first day of the Epcot International Festival of the Arts. Oh, yes. Um, which is like, yeah, Tyler, I, I, I'm sure you know, it, it gets like wild in festival time. And out of all the times I've been to Disney World, I've never been there during a festival. It was nuts. So this particular day was extra special because apparently um, you, you saw the craziness. <laughs> was this the popcorn bucket thing? This is thing? the popcorn oh, yeah. bucket thing. Yeah. The seven-hour waiting line for a, for pop- a yeah. popcorn bucket. <laughs> I was wondering what dragon, all the commotion was about, and I asked for a someone dragon in line. that hasn't been featured in any new Nothing. media uh, from Disney in, dare I say, forty years. Uh, Wait, I mean, are you I talking about the Imagination Dragon, little purple yes, dude? Yeah, figment. figment. Yep, Seven-hour so, wait for a well, popcorn bucket. I saw it. It was looping around the the lake there in, in Epcot, and I asked someone in line. I was like, "What are you guys waiting for? Like, what is this? What is this line even for?" And she's like, "It's for a popcorn bucket." And I. I had to did try not laugh to laugh because so she was, was so serious. Yeah, how did you? How did you? You keep your composure because I don't. I laughed at him. I've never seen anything like that, man. Okay, here it is. Jacob found oh. it. This is the. Oh my god! This is the seven to eight hour wait. Uh, you get that a popcorn bucket, and if you wait in line, uh, it's limited to two per person. So if you have like a family of four, you could get eight of them. And uh, I checked while I was in the parks. And fellas, they were going for two hundred dollars on eBay. I'm 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 pulling them up right the, now. The yeah. retail cost is twenty five bucks, by the way. So ten X markup. Exactly. Oh, yes. oh, there's a two hundred and eighteen dollar one, but it comes with a Funko of, oh. of Figment. Ooh. So you get a oh, little Figment bit more. Oh, Figment has bang, a Funko. Bang, okay. Uh, apparently, he does. That's crazy. So, so, anyways, Speaking as much of. as I love, 
Oh yes, we got the new oh, Funko nice. shipment. Oh yeah. The yeah, the Mando season two stuff is finally coming out. Yeah, that's awesome, and that now it lights up too, right? It does. It make it, the noise is very loud and uh, not very pleasant. So can, I don't can, think I'll be doing that very can often. Can we just take? Can we just take a second though, Emma, yeah. and just uh, just call out that Jacob has now become one of us. In that it's true, he, and I'm very proud of he him. Is, bought more how many Funkos have you bought since december 1st because i feel like you've tripled like the number since of december i don't think I, have i bought i don't know if i bought any to be fair since then but how many eh. have you received <laughs> uh two i got the the jedi luke one and the grogu one i don't know if i've bought i bought one from eric that he was getting rid of uh and then i think that's it really either way you okay. have like tripled your collection probably you started, it, it started your collection. this is true it's a very low bar, yes, but yes. Absolutely. Well, so anyways, just to round out my story here. So I was at the Epcot Festival of the Arts, and I didn't really care about it all that much, but we were walking around the park, and I saw this big booth of filled with Star Wars art. And um, so, of course, I had to buy my first piece of art there. Um, and so I bought a piece. I wish I gave a picture to Jacob before so I could show I you I think guys. I can find it. Because you sent it in Slack, right? I did, yes. So, um, okay, it's a, it's a, it's from this company called Acme uh, Limited or something like that, and uh, they're like the official fine arts retailer of Lucasfilm. And it's a painting. It's a lithograph of a painting. It's limited to like three hundred ninety-five prints of uh, the Ahsoka and Maul duel uh, from the duel uh, from the um, Siege of Mandalore and mm. it was so gorgeous and I did not expect to leave there with a painting and I also have to say I was nervous to bring it home on a plane because goodness knows what would happen to it but everything made it home safely and uh, yeah so that was uh, kind of another weird incidence of Star Wars that I did not expect to run into while I was there but I was happy that I did so if you want to see that uh, as well as some other uh uh, some footage and images from my trip. Uh, if you are a patron, you have access to my vlog that I made. Uh, it's a little over an hour, which is crazy to me, but um, there's footage from all of the rides and images uh, that I took. Yes, Jacob pulled up the art here. This is the piece I bought, uh, the lithograph. It's oh, amazing. Beautiful. Oh, yeah. wow. How took my breath away. It's uh, 16 by 20. Print, okay. So. okay, not too bad. Not too bad. It's it's not huge. They had bigger ones uh, that you know I could not afford. But uh, <laughs> so the, yeah, the, the Star Wars art collection is is if you thought Funko was for pricey, oh yeah. boy, you, I was you... uh, I was shocked at some of the prices. That's for sure. Um, one of them, there was a guy painting one live on a canvas of Ahsoka looking into Rex's helmet, and somebody asked him what it was going for, and. He said 16 grand, and I was like, oh my goodness. Good for him. Wow. <laughs> but uh, anyways, if you want to see more of my trip, uh, if you're interested in that, uh, you can take a look at my vlog. Uh, if you are a patron, uh, Timothy posted it in the feed, uh, the Patreon feed, and I hope you guys either have fun or find it informative, because uh, I also throw some tips in there. Um, so yeah, just a little, little PSA for that. So yeah, I had a lot of fun. Uh glad to be back but also not glad to be back it was great to be away i want to go back to batu like right now <laughs> yeah why does everyone I'm... want to go back to check i'm batu <laughs> there, <laughs> there you go, go. there you go <laughs> all right let's go ahead and take a very quick break and then when we come back we will go ahead and get into our main topic tonight and that is discussing discussing uh high republic volume two heart of the drain gear so we'll be right back <laughs> 
All right, we are back, and tonight's main topic is our roundtable of High Republic Volume 2, Heart of the Drain Gear. Uh, this was written by, of, of course, by Kevin Scott. The art was from, um, help me out here, Jacob, because I think you put this oh. information in here. I don't want I see I've heard the problem is I've heard multiple ways to say his name from people that like know him personally and I I believe it's it's just George okay. George Genty George Genty and uh, Ario Anadito colors from Annalisa Leone and Carlos Lopez cover by Phil Noto letters from Travis Lanham and of course this contains issue single issues uh, number six through ten uh, and for those of you who are trying to catch up on the timeline um Issues 6 through 8 are before the Rising Storm, uh, and issues 9 and 10 are after the Rising Storm and Tempest Runner. So 6 through 8, Rising Storm, Tempest Runner, 9 through 10. Caleb, am I, am I, am I getting that, that order correct based on, based on these notes? You, he hasn't read those books. He doesn't know. <laughs> right, that's right. <laughs> well, you I did good research, Caleb. Congrats. <laughs> yes, I, I, I did my dear headlights. I, 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 I added that part. Oh, you did? Okay, good job. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, and like I said at the top of the show, if, um, issue 6, June 30th to 2021. So this was like we're, we're going in the, in the Wayback Machine here. Uh, to talk about some of this stuff, it has been a while since we got around to uh, to since we visited these characters and 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 the Drain Gear. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and we're going to give our first ratings, like as we always do before we get into it. And I'm going to start with Emma. So Emma, what is your initial grade here for this uh, this trade paperback? Yeah, so I mean, like you said, it's been a while since we've read these. If if we've been, you know. I've been keeping up in order here week to or month to month, I guess. So yeah, it's been a while. And when I reread it, I was like, holy smokes, this is way better than I remembered it to be. Um, it is like, I'm not sure if I, I'm having a little bit of a moral dilemma here because I don't know if I should include in its grade that it contains like two half arcs or something like that. Like that to me, it did feel a little choppy when I went back to read just these issues. Um, so I might kind of take a couple points of a you know little halves of a okay. point off um but the story was great i loved all the stuff with keeve um every time that she gets a new second of page time or whatever it is uh the more i love her character she's so interesting to me and, and also very relatable um and i also liked seeing uh, avar as well and of course we're not going to say any spoilers for the fallen star but i have to say it's pretty hard after the Fallen Star. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to give uh, my initial rating as uh, an 8.7. This was really solid. 8.7. Okay. Um, Jacob, before I get to you, there was, a, there was a good question in the chat that I wanted to, to address for, for our audio listeners. Uh, and we have somebody that says, what would you say the reading for the High Republic is when you're using the trade paperbacks instead of the floppies uh, when it comes to reading order? Um, yeah, so I'll just add in the, the adult novels because it gets a lot more complicated if you do everything else. Um, but if you want some help with that, uh, we have a, a reading order article on our website, I believe, that Carl wrote, as well as the timeline, of course, which is always helpful. But I would read Light of the Jedi, then Volume 1. You can either, I mean, you can either, I would probably just do Rising Storm before Volume 2, I, even though it's part of it. I would takes, agree. I yeah, even so. though part of it takes place before in the timeline, it's like right along with those events. So I do Rising Storm, Volume 2, and then, oh boy, you could, 
you could probably because volume two ends at issue ten. Um, you could it's it's kind of weird because we don't know where it's going from here. I would say you could read at least issues eleven through thirteen before Fallen Star, uh, but I have no idea what to say after that. Um, at at that point, you're getting pretty risky of spoiling Falling Star for yourself. So I would um, definitely always skew towards the adult novels first. But first, when in, yeah. when in doubt, read the adult novels and then allow the comics or the, the YA novels or the, the middle grades to kind of fill in, add some extra meat to the bones. Um, mm-hmm. And then that way, you, you know, all the big all the big events don't get spoiled. Yeah. If you want like to have a very in-depth conversation on what things go where, you can like message me or Trevor on Discord and we will we will uh we'll talk shop with you. Uh I swear like every single DM I have with Trevor is with like, <laughs> well, I think this issue like ha- this half of the issue takes place here, but then this half of the issue like, also takes place here. He, like yeah, and... he gets like page by page, panel by panel, Tammy, I mean, for certain He events, he did War of the Bounty Hunter panel by panel correct like all yes. yeah. page, page by page yeah all 33 issues all yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, he page. put in a page by page uh consecutive order so trevor is is an amazing asset man. oh my gosh he's awesome so yes go ahead and hit up him or jacob in discord but great question i wanted to make sure that we we, we talked about that before we we got any further and, and by the way tyler uh we also have a question uh are we doing fallen star spoilers on the stream we are definitely not doing that um catch uh catch the living forces roundtable in uh probably a, a few weeks for for full spoilers but we are not going to do that here we are not i ate reddit we <laughs> <laughs> well yeah you're a little bit behind on everything um, we will <laughs> probably talk, probably mention since there are no actual actual spoilers out for wa- phase two wave mm-hmm. one. Did I get those that terminology correct? Yes, yes, that's correct. Um, we will might we will speculate uh, on that possibly since that is since we do know a little bit about that. Um, there was a particular question in here about the drain gear that that uh, I I personally will relate to part of uh, of wave two, but. Uh, since that's all speculation, we m- we might touch on that, but no no actual spoilers for anything that's been out. So now let's get back on 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 track and head over to Jacob uh, with his initial re- review for this book. Yeah, um, this one I, I definitely like it more than Volume One, and I really wish I would have been smart and uh, looked up what my Volume One score was because uh, that would you know have been good. Uh, <laughs> But I, as I've told Eric many times before, uh, I am like garbage at rating things objectively. I just say I like the thing and then, you know, <laughs> putting a number on it's pretty hard for me. Um, so I think I almost said it 8.7. That, that helps me. I'm glad I'm not first. I will say a 8.5. I think it was very enjoyable. I also agree that the like weird like break in the story in the middle is kind of it's a bit awkward and it <laughs> without spoiling anything it ha- kind of happens again um in volume three uh so but uh, overall i very much enjoyed it and i'm glad that we got more time with these characters uh, i think they've come a long way since the first volume and i feel a lot more attached to them since the first volume so I, nothing better ever happened to them because they're all precious in their own way uh <laughs> but you know it's the high republic so i can't really count on that too much but yeah i'll, I'll go an 8.5 all right all right so we got an 8.7 and 8.5 caleb i'll come to you next uh i will do 8.5 i 
Gav with Jacob here. It was really good. I enjoyed it a lot. But boy, like that that break in the middle sure did make the pacing when I was going through and like doing the uh, descriptions and writing out what happens. And then I got to issue ten, did a description like, "Wow, that was that's awful." I can't believe we stopped here. And the good news is I still had all the other issues, you know, so I can, uh, uh, you can, uh, go, so I just went through and just read the next several issues and kind of got resolution to a lot of the parts. But if you're just doing the trade paperback, boy, you're in for a rough ride here until, you know, for several more months until the release. But 8.5 is where I'm sitting. Okay. Yeah, I think I am, <sighs> it's, I, I want to write an eight point five because that's that's where that was where oh, I was originally gonna was, gonna write it, oh, but but because everybody else is already re- oh, come eight point five, uh, I'm going to go. Oh my gosh, it's you split the difference. Go eight point six. Sure, sure. I don't <laughs> like to do anything besides an eight point zero and eight point like point zero point five scale, but I'll split the difference. So it, it, it averages to eight point five across all four of us. Oh my gosh! Oh my uh, I already said eight point six, so we're gonna go with eight point six. Um, <laughs> mainly because I I I loved this entire I I, I love the High Republic comic as a whole. I do remember that what I enjoyed about the High the Volume One carried over to Volume Two, but this at least this time I got I got an ending to the story. Um, so I've got a I, you know that's that's important to me and and being able to f- to see that end. The, you know, the, the, the choppiness, if you're a comic reader, it, it's, you know, in, in general, that happens before. Uh, so I can't I can't knock it too much. Uh, but yeah, so that is uh, that is where I'm going to go. I'm going to go with an eight point six. So now, I, I would I, like to uh, I would like to kind of not amend my statements. I'll stick with my score. But I did. I, I look back at our old show notes, you guys, just to just to I, check. Uh, and yeah. uh I gave volume one a 9.2, but that doesn't really wow. line up with, <laughs> that doesn't really line up with my, uh, like, I really liked volume two a lot better than volume one. So how, how does that work with the numbers? I don't know. It's very confusing. <laughs> so what's it, now what did, more what did all pi- four you're of more us? picky now. Yeah. Give us, a, you're yeah. more picky now, but give us all the air yeah. rundown. Just okay. Quick. Okay. So Caleb, you gave it an 8.5 as well. Uh, um, Jacob uh-huh. gave it an 8.0. Uh, and Tyler gave it an 8.0, and I was at okay. a 9.2. So I, I wish I gave it lower so that this score would make more sense. I think I was just feeling, like, really happy that day or something. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> because I did like this more. Like, yeah. not a lot more. So, okay. I'm I think, really I think we're I... all kind of in that consensus that we all thought right. that volume two is better than one. But anyways, I, I just wanted to sort of add that info in there. Okay. Well, I'm going to go ahead. Let's go ahead and get into the recaps, and I will start with issue six. And months after the emergence of the Drangir, Avar and uh, Mayarga the Hut are battling the growth across the Outer Rim. Of course, Jedi Knight Keeve is worrying about her master Skier, who is in a coma after connecting to the mind of the Drangir. Uh, attempting to rescue her former master, Keeve dives into the mind of Skier and makes contact with the heart of the Drangir, discovering their home on the planet Malita in wild space. Uh, and we and that's sends us into issue seven and emma i'm going to turn it over to you yeah issue seven starts in a dream where keeve is confronted by those who have died across her journey uh, at the hands of the drangir and a sith who defeats her uh force which forces her awake and why are the sith there who knows uh looking for something to distract her from her haunting visions keeve takes a mission to fend off a nile attack almost getting overpowered she's saved by jedi wayseeker orla jereni and just my personal side note, she calls her a spooky ghost lady, and I love that. 
<laughs> who is following Kiev to save her? So Orla's following Kiev to save her because she said that that's what the Force told her to do. But Kiev is getting visions from the Drengir of impending defeat. And that's where issue seven ends. Issue right, eight. Yes. Sorry, I was trying to t- check, uh, something, put it in the chat here. But issue eight. We start in the middle of this, the assault on um, Muleta with dozens of Jedi and their hut allies battling through the Dringar. Uh, Kiev, knowing that Avar Chris is in great danger, charges ahead and finds her under the uh, control of the progenitor of the Dringar, the big boss. But uniting the uh, Jedi, they use their connected mind powers to, uh, to essentially sever off the progenitor off from the rest of the group, uh, uniting the Jedi in the way that only Avar can. Uh, with that, the the, uh, the, the uh, progenitor is cut off. They seal him away and take him away, or them away. Uh, but the celebration is short-lived as they receive word that the Nihil are back and Republic Fair is gone. Yeah, so we jump into issue nine, which is the story break we were discussing earlier. Uh, months later, the Jedi are focusing all their efforts into stopping the Nihil. Uh, despite pushbacks from Stellan and the Council, Avar comes up with a bold new plan uh, to have Keeve and Tarek pose as Nihil, attacking the Jedi, and uh, they escape away to the uh, the Tempest, uh, run by Zetar, uh, in, in an attempt to track down the Eye of the Nihil. Uh, however, uh, that uh, it starts off going pretty decently, but it gets a little complicated uh, when Keeve is told to prove herself by killing uh, a prisoner, their former ally, uh, Miarga, uh, so they do their best to try and delay the, that issue, uh, and let, uh, um, Avar and, uh, Sarah track them down, uh, but that can only last for so long. Eventually their ruse is discovered and Lorna D herself shows up, uh, and, uh, kills Myarga and then unleashes this terrible purple light, uh, that takes over, uh, Tarek and Kiev, uh, and in the end we see... This has extended to Sarah, who has turned to ash. Interesting. Or begun to turn to ash. My apologies. Turn to stone. Ash, Purple stone. ash stone. Like I, I was, I was wavering because I like, I like you. You know, you'll see the damage in like later issues. So it's like it's hard to put it exact. Yeah. Uh, Caleb, I'll just say you'll, you'll get it when you read uh, Rising Storm. I'll just say that. Okay, sure. Oh, that's right. He hasn't read Rising Storm yet. Yeah, I know. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Like, oh. literally. Just, like, I just finished off uh, Into the Dark today, so I think I'll be starting on that in the next few days to All get right. things will make wait Things will make a lot more sense for you yes, pretty soon. They will. I, I will <laughs> make sure to tiptoe around this carefully. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I, I, spoilers don't bother me too much. Uh, we, but we, we know that the Republic Fair got destroyed. That's I. That's probably most of what we're going to spoil. So that, that's I've already saw that. That's as Blue perfect. Pig says in the chat, let's just say he got leveled. We'll just we'll we'll, we'll yeah. leave it at that. Uh, uh, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Caleb. Let's go ahead and uh, start discussing some of the important characters uh, in this book, and we start with uh, our favorite Trandoshan exactly. Jedi. Exactly. I, I, since I was the one who typed this up, my first and foremost was my boy Skier. Uh, like we've definitely seen in the first arc and the first volume, him being a lot more, um, like he was definitely like his fall was definitely a lot more prevalent in that one. This one, we see a lot more of his recovery and his, well, less recovery and more like normalcy in his new position. Now, 
what I have here is usually when we see a Jedi fall, it's like straight to the dark side. We see Anakin happen, uh, go straight to the dark side. We see, uh, oh, what was the, um, the episode in the Clone Wars where, um, her- Oh, uh, Pong Krell? No, well, Pong Krell goes to the dark side. I was, I was thinking of Ahsoka's, uh, Padawan friend. Uh, Bear Sophie. Uh, Bear Sophie, yeah. yeah. they go straight to the dark side. But this is not, Skiri isn't going straight to the dark side. He seems to be sliding in towards, like, an unconnection with this with the force he's definitely not pulling out a red lightsaber but he's definitely losing his connection and his like sense of purpose in the jedi um like how do you guys feel about it is that something that we want to see more of like is this story more compelling than the odin the traditional sort of fall to the dark side how do you guys feel about this I think it's kind of interesting. I, I I hadn't really thought about this before. It's like you can tie interesting parallels to his struggle with like losing his connection uh, with the um, Skywalkers in Thrawn Ascendancy. Like oh, yeah. both yeah. of them are characters yeah. that are like you know out of their control. They have this power that they are losing, and it kind of robs them of their sense of purpose and sense of self like this is what has defined them for their entire lives and they can no longer do it and they can't really control that and don't know what's happening to them and they're trying to cope with that and figure out what's going to happen to them next so like you know it's it's i say it's a little similar i like both stories are very interesting to me so i'm excited to see uh where this goes for him i said i think we would last fall and we talked about it is the jedi don't really have like a retirement plan Yes. Yeah, that's true. I mean, things would probably be better for them if they did. I mean, that's you know, if we're being (laughs) honest. (laughs) So, my my thought on this is: Are we sure that he is falling to the dark side, or as a Trandoshan, is his more natural ability, or is his more natural instinct coming to bear, and through the loss of his connection to the Force? He is not able to keep that in a controlled manner because I was I didn't necessarily immediately feel like he was falling to the dark side as much as he was being like every other Trandoshan we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, like, I, that's a good point because uh, and then that makes me wonder like what about other species that you don't typically see as Jedi like um, like Wookies or something? You know, I, I wonder if there's like uh, what if some species just have like a cap on their on their length of time that they're able to connect to the force. That could definitely be a thing. Like the, uh, like the, uh, chess. The chiss. Yeah. yeah, the Skywalkers, yeah. Who knows? You know, I'm not a xenobiologist of Star Wars, but maybe <laughs> eventually we will be hired on. Now, here's another fun, to kind of tie into that one, another fun question is, thing is, this is a direct quote from Skier, who's talking to Keeve. There is always passion. It's how we control it that matters. And we know, since we're really big, big into it, um, you know, the, uh, the Jedi code specifically says there is no passion, there is serenity. Like, is this, is it like, is what Skier said that there's always passion? Is that like the orthodox viewpoint or is that just his interpretation from his cultural bias? Like, how do you guys feel about that statement? <sighs> That's a very good question. I, I almost feel feel like this is a in the moment in the high republic this is an accepted there was always passion in that it's a lot I, I think this is a doctrine and the reason i say that is because um in in the rising storm 
we definitely and I believe a little bit in the it's it's mentioned in light of the Jedi as well. Jedi are allowed to have relations like they're not allowed to have permanent permanent adult relations, but they're allowed to have a physical relationship with somebody. And I think that and, and I feel like it's that doctrine that uh, and again, this is what I've always thought of the High Republic is we skew so far one way in the High Republic. That's why the Jedi of the prequel trilogy are so minuscule orthodox it, or and yes that that so, i think that it's they've allowed them it's a complete reaction to the downfall of the high republic because they let their passion become uncontrolled they let their emotions become uncontrolled and that was their eventual downfall so now let's take all of that away let's take all the connection away and and that's what that that's what that's what we see in the jedi council in the prequel trilogy well this quote is interesting to me because um you could probably get expelled from the order saying something like that in the prequel trilogy era, right? Like exactly. that's like that's like hearsay. Like um, Mace Windu would come down on that hard. Yeah. Yep. He yeah, he he would call you citizen and just kick you right out. <laughs> Anakin's um, story would be a lot different. Yeah. If, if this if that was accepted. If this, yeah, 100%. Yeah, because this because that mindset is a way healthier one to have than Dealing in absolutes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I mean, I think it's also, I, I, I like, I say, I talk about this every single chance I get, but it like also kind of is parallel to the view on attachment uh, in the High Republic that is mentioned in Race Crash Point Tower. Yes. It's like a conversation that Keeve and Lula have. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite thing in this entire like initiative, like ever. Uh, and they're talking about like you know it's okay to be like it's understandable and natural to be attached to people and like have friendships and everything like that but it's it's how you react to those um what is that's what matters like you can't just say oh i'm not going to be attached to anything that's just like unnatural and goes against the force or whatever i wish i could pull it up but i don't have that copy with me anymore so uh, but yeah it's i think it's a very poetic way of looking at the jedi and and the relationship with others so yeah again I think it's a lot more healthy way than how they uh, look at things in the prequel trilogy. And yeah, like Tyler said, it's probably just a bit of a overreaction, a course correction uh, to what happens with the Jedi yeah, from it, their ideology now. Yeah. And, and I think that the fact that Skier can still have that piece of wisdom for Keeve, even though he's losing his connection to the Force, you know, I personally took that as a good sign, you know, for, for Skier. Like, he's not, he's not totally gone. Like, he, he's still... He still has a soul and some wisdom in there. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Now, speaking of uh, um, Jedi and, and damage here, uh, Avar Chris is the next uh, you know bullet point here. Uh, is the golden child of the Jedi showing any cracks from the pressure she finds herself under as the uh, marshal of the Starlight Beacon? Yeah, I, I kind of have a lot of thoughts on this, so... I think I would answer that your question directly by saying, yes, she is showing some cracks because, you know, we kind of see her be a little more aggressive, I would say, by charging into battle with the huts. Uh, I don't think that I could see uh, if I was reading Light of the Jedi, uh, you know, back when it first came out and you told me that Avar was going to ride on a Rancor like a Bantha and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and just charge into battle uh 
with the huts, I, I would have said oh, you're talking about the wrong character. Um, so I think that she's like she's definitely changed, and I don't know if it's for the better. But I'm also kind of dancing around some things that I know, so I'm going to stop talking. Yeah, there's a, there's a, yeah, yeah. I can't really get into this either without. Yeah. it's hard to separate mm-hmm. what I know mm-hmm. from Fallen Star. I, yeah, I will say I think we we see we've started to see the start of those cracks forming. Like we're not fully there yet. Right. Like you know she's being a little bit more cavalier. She's teaming up with the Hutt. She's starting to go against the Jedi Council. Uh, she's making her own plans. Uh, look, she's being driven to these extremes by the extremes around her of being under attack by the Nihil and the Drangir constantly. But at the end of the day, at the end of issue eight, uh, she's still like, you know, she has the chance and Myrga wants her to kill the great progenitor. And that would probably, you know, be uh, honestly probably the best thing for the galaxy at the end of the day. Uh, but she doesn't do that. She stops them from killing it. And, they basically just lock it down and prevent it from communicating with the rest of uh, of the Drengear out there. So, you know, if she was fully gone, if she was fully cracked at that point, she would just probably kill it. Uh, but yeah. she's not there yet. We're we're seeing we're seeing that pressure start to uh, affect her, but she's not fully gone. Now, yeah. to to build off that one real quick, do you think it's because Myrga like said, "Hey, no." Killing it is actually the best idea. Do you think that relation and that interaction they had will put her to be pushing? Will push her to be more totalitarian and more aggressive down the line? I don't think so. She doesn't seem no. like the type of person that is influenced by other people very much. Like <laughs> I think that she's like, I, I see her as the type of person that's pretty set in her ways about things um, and and doesn't really care too much about what other people think, especially somebody like the Huts, who she knows that um, their relationship is being scrutinized by the Jedi already. So by taking mm. her advice, I think I think she's smarter than to make her decision based on that. Uh, but going back to like, um, you know, her showing, you know, cracks, I think I wanted to point out the moment with uh, her talking to Estala uh, on the on the beacon. And she's like, demanding Jedi like right now. And I was like, that is like, it feels so out of character for her. She doesn't seem very like demanding or, you know, Astala said like, oh, they're out doing other miss- missions. And she's like, well, this is the most important thing. And I'm thinking like, oh man, like that, that was the moment where I was like, okay, something is a little off with Avar here in this book. Yeah. And to cap, you guys poked on it a little bit. Her distance from the council, she is on the outer rim and only like talks mm-hmm. to him via Zoom meetings here. Do you think that's um? Do you think she's taking things too much into her own hands? Like, she, I don't think she's really debate. Like, anytime she talks to uh Stellan Geos or anyone on the council, it's always to tell him that tell them what she's doing, not really to ask for their assistance or ask for their uh, permission. I I think that that comes down to this is the first conflict that they've had in a thousand years. And, and they're really, they don't know. I mean, other than Yoda, you know, there, there really hasn't what Jedi master has, has been able to, to deal with conflict. And, and, and so they, they don't have the experience to deal with it on their own, but at the same time, they can't wait to, to react by getting in contact with the the council, uh, because communication in the outer rim is so, you know, scant and so, um, you know, untrustworthy, 
that they kind of have to make their own decision. And I just, I think it gets back to that, that concept that they're, they are the, the epitome of peacekeepers because there is no, there is no conflict. You know, there's little, you know, minor squab, you know, civil, like not, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even say civil wars, but like there's little minor conflicts, you know, in, in towns and, but there's no galactic wide uh, a conflict. So they don't know how to deal with it. And I think that's where, where the, the, her, her greatest uh, flaw right now is, is that they don't know how to deal with this and, and they're dealing with somebody who, uh, let me, I'm actually going to retract that because uh, uh, that's getting more into the books than, than mm-hmm. the comics. So yeah, they're just, like, they're dealing with conflict that they, that they're not used to. The cool thing about the High Republic is all these characters are interconnected. The bad thing is that it's hard to like purse out exactly like volume two, Avar Chris can do this much. Right. And we can only talk about this much. So yeah. speaking of, you know, characters that we can only talk about this much for right now, Keeve Tennis. Trinus. Trinus. Keeve Trinus. Thrown into the deep end, Keeve seems to have been promoted to the Jedi Knighthood at the worst possible time. Like, and you were talking about this, like, this is like a huge time of conflict for the Jedi. Like, if it wasn't for the Drengear and the Nihil, she would probably be a great knight. But with the extra problems that the galaxy is facing, is she really ready for this? I mean, it's like, I don't know if there's like any objective, like, here's the bar. You have to pass that to, you know, be, you know, pass, go, collect your knighthood. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like, I think... Uh, you know she's very unsure of herself uh and, and if she was worthy of this but i think it's a like incredibly common trope for jedis mm-hmm. like you know Vern has this issue all the time luke um luke has this issue anakin does not have this issue anakin is ready to uh to to you know complete the game when a jedi master put me on the council all that but you know most other jedi have this like i think this little uh imposter comp uh in- imposter syndrome yeah imposter syndrome within them yeah i agree she reminds me so much of Vern, just in you know she's kind of like unsure of her position and kind of is trying to find i i can i can feel her trying to find the balance between like okay i just was a padawan but now i'm a knight am i allowed to speak up at council meetings am i allowed to uh you know talk with jedi masters on the same level now because technically Mm -hmm. i can do that but do i really feel like i have the confidence to do that and so uh and i feel like that's a very relatable thing um for a lot of people just like being unsure of themselves jacob you literally described it perfectly imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. um and so i'm I'm glad that we have characters like keeve and like vernestra um because I, i think that these are really relatable character traits for sure as much as I am loving the masters, uh, I think my favorite characters of the High Republic are the Buryagas, the Belzetafars, the yep. the Vernestra Rose, the Keeve Trennises. and and I and I'm I, I'm assuming that I don't know if uh, if the entirety of Wave Two is in the past, is 150 years in the past, or if it's just Phase One. Um, I would assume that the this this bunch of of new knights are eventually going to be the leads and i am very excited for that and i am mm. very excited to see these characters be able to go out on their own missions or 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 lead other you know jedi not necessarily alongside 
Avar or alongside Stellan, but but really be on their own. Um, I, I'm so excited to see all to see all of these characters. So is she ready? Probably not. But I think she's as ready as any of the other knights, uh, you know, soon to be or recently promoted Jedi Knights are going to be in this era. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how they all deal with it. Yeah. And the other I mean, I think... the other thing is, okay. is that, um, you know, when she was talking with Orla about her her doubts, uh, Orla said, well, your master thought you were ready. And Keeve said, well, my master almost went to the dark. And I found that conversation to be very interesting because it's like, it's like, yeah, you have a great mentor, but all of a sudden you're losing faith in your mentor. So now you don't have faith in yourself. And right. I just found that whole cycle. It's like a vicious circle. I mean, it's, it was, yeah, I could have read like two more issues just of that conversation. It was so interesting. Exactly. Yeah, I, I will say like one thing is like, you know, with just in general being ready for the Jedi uh, to be a Jedi Knight. Um, I, you know, like I said, there's, it's kind of hard to define a bar, but I also think it's important to realize that it's definitely, you know, you're not like, you don't hit night and you're done. Like, it's like a, you know, continuing education. Mm. Like you, like you, you like you're always like, you're always learning with an order. Like, yeah, you're always learning like that. You're, you know, you're getting your continuing education credits. You're keeping up your license for every <laughs> job you have. Uh, yeah. So like, like, you know, she's always going to be learning. Any Jedi is always gonna be learning and growing. And like that process doesn't stop because you got to cut off a, a braid off your hair. Exactly. So they have 20 hours <laughs> of, uh, of, uh, online learning. They have to do every year. Mm hmm. Yeah, or else they, they take that man. Yeah, they take that mandatory company training. Uh, yeah, <laughs> lightsaber safety. Uh huh. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, one thing that you did kind of touch on to, and like, is her connections with uh with the Jedi around her. It seems like you know she's definitely putting a lot of this pressure on herself. But she, at least in the comic series, she's not around a lot of other Jedi. Like her age, her like mm. time frame, like out like the closest ones we see in the comic are uh, Sarek and Tarek, but they've already been Jedi Knights for a while, and they're already they have like this weird like super confidence from their bond that they have. Do you think she lacks a social support program, for like a more appropriate term? I, I do, but I also kind of wonder what happens, like what or maybe what her life was like before we saw her in the comics, like. Was she hanging out with like Wreath and and the other Padawans? I kind of wonder that, but I mean, you just kind of gave me an idea. I would pay an exorbitant amount of money for a Keeve and Vernestra story. Like, how awesome <laughs> would that be? Seriously, guys. I mean, that would be amazing. <laughs> I, it, it sounds pretty common, and and yeah. in the sense of her of her being on her own, um, and 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 this. This is mentioned in the following star, but this is not a, a a spoiler in any sense. It is it is not uncommon for for masters to take their their padawans on law on very long missions and 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 to be isolated. and And I think that that's just again with the outer rim not being explored, um and and for them being spread as 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 thin as they are and, and establishing temples and and places. I it doesn't. I think that she doesn't have a support system, but I think she, other than Sarah and Tarek, she probably has the same support system that any of the other Jedi Knights uh, of uh, and Padawans of this era have, just strictly because of of the nature of the vastness that still is the Outer Rim and the galaxy and the missions that can take hmm. them away from temples for an extended period of time. Plus, we've seen in several sort of things, temples are a lot smaller in this. Yes. Thing. Like, not everyone is in Coruscant. Like, there's 
thousands mm. of, well, at least hundreds of smaller temples from like the uh, uh, edge of bounce. And, technically, uh, yeah, technically they're like outposts, right? But yes, but they, and, and, and these outposts spend years there. And these outposts yeah. are, are are manned. I feel like three to six, je- yeah, three to yeah. six people, and I, not even all of those are Jedi. It seems to be a pretty common number of people to be, to, to have at an outpost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, absolutely. Well, that's enough Jedi talk for one time. Or sorry, let's stop talking about those Jays there. Uh, let's move on to like <laughs> the more gruff and rough type here. Uh, Myarga the Hut. Uh, we saw her a little bit in the last time. An interesting character, but, you know, definitely a uh, counter, kind of a, a foil to the Jedi selflessness. But did we really get an aspect of, like, her own personality? Or do we see, I kind of saw her more of just, like, a stereotype of hut bluster yeah. and hut ambition. Like, like I couldn't say, like, oh, this was, like, her number one character sort of thing, since it's just she's the angry hut who does hut things debate on you guys do you guys see her as anything more than that i mean she's definitely just like you know the typical self-serving giant slug uh but i i will say uh there are a few few very few huts uh that i think would openly charge into battle on a battle that's a, great sled, point. That's a good uh, point flanked yeah. by rank rank or riding jedi i i i think that list is probably pretty small maybe gracchus maybe gracchus would do that maybe, i can't see jabba doing that Oh, Maybe Boku. No. One, well, yeah, no, no way, ja- well, Jabba. Spoiler warnings, but Jabba, you know, survived a lot longer time and actually had a lot bigger criminal empire. This is true, but yeah, yeah I, I th- yeah, there, yeah, very few would be doing that with like a, a necklace of skulls on uh, their neck. So, <laughs> I mean, like, no, you, I you have a great point there. I didn't, I yeah. didn't even think of that. Like, because you're right. I mean, most of the huts that we've met are are cowardly and lazy and don't want to. You know, they have other people do their dirty work, but yeah, yeah so I, I guess I can respect that for sure. I, I was, I, I'm right there with you, Emma. I was thinking a hut is a hut, you know, that we really haven't, you know, it, she she doesn't add anything new, but Jacob makes an excellent point that, yeah, I I, I can't think that they're going to, there are too many that are going to not, not, not only enter into an alliance with the Jedi, because I can see some doing that, but actually mm-hmm. riding on the front lines next to them. That's the point where it's like, no, this is she's 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 unique. Yeah, and we yeah, did. If, and this is kind of like how we can tell how the huts made their empires by battle skiffs and cybernetic, you know, arm cannons. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know, if if yeah, I, I would see any hut would ally with the Jedi if it served their interests. Like, yeah, like there's, I don't think there's anything they won't do. But um, yeah, you know, maybe. Maybe Myarga's not on the Hut Council, and that's you know most of the Huts we see are in like pretty solid places of power. Where like that's where, true too. You know they're they're not going to be the one. You know someone someone else do it. Like my well, maybe my like crappy cousin Hut and like much Nikito are going <laughs> to battle, but that that's not Jabba. I was about to say we, we the first time we see her, she's shaking down a a farming town, so she's probably pretty low on the totem pole. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of like totem poles and uh and farming here. Uh, the last major character to really talk about, as much as we can call them a character, is the Dringir Progenitor. Um, they he was captured at the end of the that first arc. There is there anything do you think the Jedi could learn from the Dringir, or do you think they'd be too afraid to try to research and dig into how, like how their connection can span worlds? I think it'd be really easy for them to like get infected by them again or maybe just even being in close proximity like almost almost like 
diseases the force around them. I don't know. I think it would be really dangerous to try to study them, but I'm sure that they have a Jedi that would be very interested in doing it that would probably just go ahead and assume all the risks. And that man's name is Elzar Man. <laughs> no, it's definitely Comac Vitus. So, mm. oh, he would do but that. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm gonna I'm spoil an Easter egg from later. Um, so they they say they go to store this on the Bogan Collection on um, on the Starlight Beacon, which Bogan Collection also in Dooku Jedi Lost was like a area that kept a bunch of dark side artifacts in the Temple on Coruscant. Oh, that's right. Um, and I'm not, I don't know, like, I don't know if this was ever confirmed if the area where they go to take the statues and into the dark is also the same place. Um, but I know some people were theorizing about that. Uh, anyways, in Duke Jedi Lost is basically like, yeah, we don't touch that. We don't do anything with any, like any of the stuff, like they are hidden away for a reason. We don't want people messing with this stuff. And it was like, you know, uh, oh gosh, what was the? The Jedi, Sifo Dyas's master. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, um, uh, I know who you're talking uh, about. It's the the. Um, uh, oh, the name's on the tip of my tongue. I hate that. Ah, uh, Sifo Dyas, Jedi master. Uh, so it, it, isn't it a woman? It is a woman. Yeah, yeah. Some um, alien. When you say know. it, I'm uh, going to be mad at myself. Uh, yeah, same yeah, here. Same, same here. But anyways, so they go on an event, like, after Dooku and Sifo discover the Bogan collection, like, it had been untouched for a while, and they start to add more things to it, um, but it's still, like, the Order was, like, not super happy with it, so I don't think they would really mess with this. Um, now, but... We're also... Oh, wait, no, I got it. Lean Castana did not look that up, just... Nice! Yeah, that's... Now, yeah. Completely unrelated to that, aren't the Bogans the ones who destroyed the Earth and Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? I don't know about that, but Bogan was like the OG, OG uh, script word for dark side. So it was, it was Ashla and Bogan. Interesting. Like of the of like A New Hope. Wasn't, the, well, before it was A New Hope. Wasn't Ahsoka's name supposed to be Ashla or something like that? Ashla? Yeah. That, so she was, Bogan, that was her secret name in... Uh, yeah, her like code name oh. or whatever. Well, it was, her co- it was her code name in the book by E.K. Johnson, right, but it was also, I think, right, her, yeah. her name... When, like her name when her character was being developed first for the show. Gotcha. Hmm. Okay. I was wondering why that. But then you also familiar. have Prisoner of Bogan is a Dawn of the Jedi comic. It, it's yeah. These words have come back. Yeah. Uh, since then. Interesting. Anyways, so that is it. Perfectly good there. Um, and we can't tease this out at the beginning of the show because people have been asking. Having been captured and put into collection, what are the odds that we'll see him reappear later on? I keep saying him them. So, non-zero. I was going to say, when you say later on, are you meaning later in the timeline, or are you saying, are we going to see them again? Because we will absolutely see them somewhere, but if it's the latter timeline, I I I feel they are going to be very much more used in this first phase of wave two. Um, I don't think that at all. Really, going back only 150 years. Because I think 150 years I is way too soon. There mm. is, I, I I think characters like Darth Crawl and and uh, and the Drain Gear and that altercation. I think whether or not we see it live, live, or whether we get a little bit more accurate retelling of that, I think that they are going to be a little bit more prevalent of a of 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 a force in at least the first 
wave in wave one of phase two. Along I think with I'm, the Sith. Yeah, I, I I can get behind that actually because it is interesting that the only Sith that we've actually seen in the High Republic thus far are from a a story about the Drengear. So right. and well, the fact that they that that the Sith were the ones that trapped the Drengear on the station. So there has to be a connection there and why why else would we go back but to sort of like and okay, I, if and we're I, thinking about typical Star Wars like uh we got the prequel trilogy to clarify things that happened in the original yes. trilogy. So it's got to clarify stuff that's happened already and and so I and think I that that's where you're like, right. I feel like Claudia came out and said like we knew this was a risk in 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 hitting the pause and going back 150 mm-hmm. years, but there is a reason for it, and right. I think that they we are going to get a lot of explaining of things that we have seen and why things are are the way they are and why those statues were there on the 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 a Maxine station, I, and I think we're gonna get a lot of, uh, we're gonna get a lot of that backstory. I don't know, like I said, mm-hmm. I don't know if we're gonna get the exact story. But I think we're going to get a little bit more, a little bit closer. Because you're right, Jacob. I mean, 150 years isn't that big, isn't that long. But I, I think it's going to, I think it's going to play a role. And yeah, I want to springboard this, unless someone else has something to add, real quick. But real quick, let's jump to the discussion question. And I have this thing here: the Sith, Darth Crawl, that we see in Keeve's vision here. Um, did they? Do you think Darth Crawl died against the Drin Gear, and they have his spirit like stuck in their subconscious? Because we have seen that now done in Star in the latest Star Wars issue. Like plant life seems to be able to can take snapshots of uh taking a snapshot of someone's consciousness. Do you think there's like a consciousness of Darth Crawl floating around the Dringar hive mind that came out to attack Keeve here? That's a really interesting thought that I. I didn't think about it. I, I kind of wondered if it was like um, some sort of memory of the Sith and maybe Darth Krall was one of the ones that uh, that that captured the, the Drengear and maybe it was kind of like a negative memory that the Drengear had that Keeve therefore like felt because she was inside the the mind of the Drengear. That's kind of what I was thinking. But I, I like the idea that perhaps uh, the Drengear, you know, stuck their tentacles and in Darth Crawl and that's why she saw him. I really like that idea a lot. And I think it's I think both the things that I laid out there are plausible. I I don't I don't know what to think about the Sith because <laughs> I I was happy that they weren't involved until we saw, you know, Darth Crawl in the comics and because you know, we've seen the Sith so many different times and 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 now we've got the great great you know enemy in, in the Nihil and Martian Row. So I don't I, I have no idea what we're gonna do with the Sith. And and I know that I have full confidence in the creative teams and, and all five of those writers and all of their teams that they were going to get some excellent content from them, but I, I couldn't even begin to think about what they're going to come up with for for the Sith. Absolutely. Now speaking of the train gear, but here's another sort of thing. Uh, did we feel like we got enough of the drink gear. I know we've talked to Darth. We'll see some more, but do we feel like the ending of them was kind of rushed? I, we were they were set up to be essentially second banana to the Nihil Hill as villains go. But do you think they should have been a bigger threat? Do you think they're? Uh, do we feel like they have fulfilled their purpose, or is there a lot more potential still on the table? 
I don't think we're done with them, so I'm I'm, I'm a little hesitant to answer this question yet. Uh, so, but yeah, I, I, it was definitely a little rushed, and also just a little uh, like I had the thought like I think last week that if you've only ever read the adult novels of the High Republic and nothing else, you barely know that the drink exists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, like they were into the dark, a young adult novel, all the comics, and then. Race, uh, Race Crash, Crash, Crash Tower, Tower yeah. which is a middle grade book, and that is it. They were not in they. I they. There might have been a passing mention, like you know, like two words uh, about like the Dring Gear fight in the Outer Rim uh, in Rising Storm, but that would be it. So like, it's that's a great point because they didn't happen until after the Light of the Jedi was over. So yeah, I like I I it's it's a little weird. Um, I I don't think we're done with them, and it's also like you know they were like oh. We captured the grand progenitor. It is over. This, this this epic fight is done. And then, like in the Life Day special number one, uh, there's like a reference with Buryab, Buryaga and Nib Asik are going to Kashyyyk, and they're like, "Well, good thing that we killed the grand progenitor." I'm like, "Wait, I don't think it was. Is that like metaphorically killed it, or like is it actually <laughs> dead? Like, I don't know." <laughs> More Jedi lies starting telling people they killed it, so people won't come seeking it. Who knows? I, yeah, I I think that the Drengear from the get-go we're supposed to be something that we thought were gonna be you know the big bads and then they weren't uh well that was that was the not hill plan yeah that was literally the not hill's plan was people think the drink gear was going to be the big bad yeah that's true i i guess um i love the idea of the drink gear and i i like that they i like that they're threatening even though they present themselves in a non-threatening form i.e. their plants but <laughs> but um but i do wish that maybe like it'd be cool if they could do more things like if they could uh i don't know travel or something like instead of having to be like planted other places i feel like that might make them more threatening and maybe give them a, a fighting chance in terms of sticking around longer but i do i do think that we are definitely going to get a lot more of them in mm. uh phase two that yeah, they'll evolve it, into the Yuzan Fong for rate of fight. Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that I, I agree with everybody that I think that they were underutilized as a whole. Does the ending of the Drangir feel rushed? Not any more rushed than any other comic arc that I've read. That's not necessarily yeah. not necessarily Star Wars related, but just in general. I don't know how many times I've read this huge arc where it's a five issue lead up to the end, and it's like, oh my gosh, and then it's like Oh, okay. <laughs> it's Thanks, over. Superman, you Batman, sure Batman beat, uh, Doomsday. Beat, right, Batman beat Joker again. Uh, okay, and it's just it's just that's, that's how comics are. I, I mean, and I've kind of gotten used to that. So from a comic perspective, I'm perfectly fine with how the yeah. Gear story was 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 wrapped up. From a larger, uh, yeah, and it, go ahead, Jacob. I was like, and another thing we you know we still are looking forward to is Volume Two of the manga, which yeah. comes out. It was originally supposed to come out in january i think and now it's coming out in late may but still in phase one uh i mean the first one was all about drink gear yeah, so and, and it did take them in an interesting new direction uh that were because they were no longer under control of the progenitor uh they like were a different form of drink gear and like so you know it's interesting maybe i and don't know what was... that second volume is gonna be about but i wouldn't be surprised to see the drink gear be adapting uh in new different ways there as well and that mutating. was the most interesting yeah that was the most interesting use of the drink gear that we've seen mm-hmm. in, in, yeah. in phase one you so know, far with a weird like turning people into wooden statues that was creepy yeah. and uh, and needing to be burned by by jet jet fuel or, j- jet fuel in order to yeah 
I guarantee that our answers would be different if they had made any sort of significant appearance in the adult novels. I, I think I could guarantee that. Mm-hmm. All right. So yeah. now, now, now I want to know why. I want to know why they haven't yeah. been used in the adult novels because I, it's weird because like the rising st- with the rising storm race crash and tower race crash and tower the drain year were like a big issue. Yeah, and those books happened at the same place at the same, same time. time yeah. <laughs> like I. You know, maybe the kind of cop-out answer is it's a lot easier to uh, justify killing plant life in a children's novel than it is to kill, you know, Nihil. That's fair. That's yeah, fair. I, kind of like, okay. you know, kind could, of like killing droids, you know, like it, it's not really be sentient life. I'm, but, I'm but trying they, to think of, and they don't even kill, they don't actually, actually don't even kill any drink gear in that book. I don't think. No, not, I don't not think not so. Race, <laughs> not Race to Crashborn Tower, no. It just as as big of a deal. I mean, they had concept art. They they were they were definitely. I don't think you can have anybody who pays attention to the the High Republic show and and all the content that's been put out who would have thought when that concept art was originally released that they would be. I don't want to say underused. Used to the level that they have been used. I don't think anybody would have predicted that. However, yeah. flip side of that same coin, these these creative teams know exactly what they're doing. So there's a reason that they've done that. So I, I don't want to give them negative points for that yet because we only know it's a still third being of the written. Story. Exactly, it's still being written, and I don't think they're done. Yeah, no. I don't think they're done specifically with the drink. Yet. It's it's like saying that the that the first episode of the Book of Boba Fett is filler when you haven't seen the whole thing. Let's wait <laughs> right. until we see the whole thing before we make judgments. Well, Emma, so. I don't know if you've been on Twitter, but that is what everyone <laughs> said. So, <laughs> so it must and be right. Twitter is yeah. never yeah. wrong. Twitter, Twitter's the arbiter of truth on the internet. Right. So. Exactly. Exactly. Speaking <laughs> of us being never wrong, and let's go in. Let's just go ahead and get into our final ranking here, um, because we've never made a single mistake in our rankings this is true it is objectively perfect speaking of perfect are you going to give this a 10 emma uh i mean based on my previous ranking that would have to be the score to make it make any sense but um i feel uncomfortable giving things a 10 for sure uh even with books i i've never given anything a perfect 10 and i don't think i will for forever but um Ooh, this is tough. I, I'm I'm gonna proceed ignoring my previous nine point two ranking. I don't understand what was happening there. It's okay, <laughs> but um, yeah. I mean, overall, this is this is a a solid story, and I think I think that like if you're listening to us right now and you haven't read any further in the comics or you haven't read uh, the Fallen Star or anything further. Uh, I think that this is like just okay, but I think having read all of those other supplementary materials, uh, it it hits harder and it makes more sense and it makes me feel excited for things that are coming up uh, because I think that a lot of it is going to connect back and in ways it has. Um, so that being said, uh, I think I'm going to. I'm, I'm going to bump it up a little bit because I, I did like our conversation about Keeve and how her story uh, is so unique and interesting and everything with Avar was, was really good as well. Uh, her sort of like cracks forming in that perfect facade. Um, lots of great character stuff along with the awesome action. Uh, it's just typical great comics from, from Cavan. So uh, yeah, I'm going to up it to an 8.9. I, this is really solid stuff. Both of you are wrong. 
J- Jacob and Caleb are, are, are writing in our notes. They're, they're over each other, writing 8.7, 8.8, <laughs> trying to trying to predict what, what Emma. I'm, what I don't Emma know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta keep you on your toes, right? <laughs> All right, All right Jacob. So Emma started with an 8.7, went to an 8.9. Jacob, you started with an 8.5. I did. I think I'm honestly going to stay there. Um, I don't know if, you know, I... Eight point five is already pretty high score. I don't know if there's anything that we really talked about in in our discussion today that made me feel that I needed to push it up. Um, That's fair. Like I like all the characters. I again, I think I gave my last. I gave volume one an eight point oh. This is an improvement on eight point oh. Eight point five is a significant step up. Even though that's my, for me, that's the only step you can make because I don't really do anything outside of point fives. Mm. Uh, but no, I think. Yeah, it's a much better story. I think the the characters are much more solidly developed, and I feel more attached to them. Um, I just don't know if it's enough for me to make that jump yet. Uh, you know, you know, if hopefully we stay on this trend, and volume three is going to be nine point or higher, I'll take it. If it's a if it's exponential growth, we can go to nine point five. But uh, yeah, <laughs> eight point five, I'm pretty comfortable with that for now. Well, good for you for keeping your ranking system the same. That's that's consistency right there. <laughs> Totally by chance. Yes. Caleb, you, uh, you also gave it an 8.5. I'm going, to, I'm going to be with Jacob. I don't like doing weird point things. Like, I'm going to stick with my 8.5, you know. But here's the thing. If you read all of the issues, if you have all, what is it, 12 issues that are out right now, 13 issues? 13 as of today. 12, yeah. 13 as 13, of today. If you read all 13 issues, this is a fantastic story. Like, all of the together yeah. is like a 9, 9.5. It's great. But if you're just judging volume two, which is the last half of a one arc and the beginning of another arc, it's just the story is not great. Well, it's great. It's great. But it's like it feel it lets you feel like empty inside because you end on a really horrible cliffhanger that you just have to figure out what's going on. When I reread this for this uh, discussion, I immediately like read issues 11 and issues 12 just so I could get the resolution to this uh, story beat here. Um so the, the whole story is fantastic, but Volume 2 gets an 8.5 because it has a weird, awkward break in the middle. See, now you've got me wavering because I was going to give this a 9. I was going to up my score to a 9 because I was going to look at it as it is a great ending to the – if you're only reading the, the comic. Drinkar. If you're if, – yeah, it's a great ending to the Drangir. It's a great ending from the first book and – Whoever, order be damned it's a great beginning to volume three mm-hmm. so from a storytelling perspective if i take if i take the entire high republic oh, you yeah. know title it's a great story however you did make a very very good point there in that that's not what we're grading we're grading this as a collection of stories as just issue six through ten and so for that i also don't like giving the non 0.5 grades so i'm actually going to give it i'm going to go into to do what i originally said i wanted to do at the beginning and i'm just going to give it an 8.5 uh as well because as i mean jacob or caleb pretty much said everything that i that, that i that i feel as well it's a great story but if you were to just pick up this book for because for some unknown reason they don't have volume one uh in in in, in stock and you wanted to read this it would be a little confusing and, and it would feel you, you're getting, a, uh, an inc- you know, coming in the middle of a story, you're not getting a complete story at the end. And I can't let that slide when you're talking about binding trade, you know, 
these loose leafs into a single trade paperback. So I got to keep it there at 8.5 as well. That's fair. So, all right. Jacob has a very impressive list of Easter eggs. So I'm going to turn this over to him uh, and he will wrap up the show with his uh, impressive uh, research that he's about to show off. Yeah, straight from the Wikipedia uh, to your ears. Uh, so first off, uh, Maru says their notes on uh, Molita are from the days of the Nightmare Conjunction. This was first uh, tamed by Darth Crawl, which was mentioned in Dooku Jedi Lost. Uh, we see a number, and of course, Darth Crawl. We see a little later. Uh, we see a number of Easter eggs in Keeb's vision in the beginning of issue six. We see the Amaxine Station from Rise of Kylo Ren and Into the Dark. We see the affirmation Darth Crawl from Dooku Jedi Lost. We also see the uh, statues on the Maxine Station that are used to bound the Dringir and Into the Dark. Um, uh, in Starlight Beacon's meditation chamber, when she comes back to reality, we see a uh, a little uh, mosaic of the Prime Jedi, which is similar to the one on Octo in The Last Jedi. Uh, we see the first uh, comic book appearance of uh, Velko Jahan, who is uh, the star of the Insider short stories. And she's popped up in a few different stories since then. Uh, we also see uh, a bunch of Nihil attack an agricultural center on Chortos. Uh, this is the first canon appearance of Chortos, but it originated in the West End short uh, West End Games source books uh, Galaxy Guide Six Tramp Fighters. Hmm. Uh, yeah, in issue eight, Tarek and Sarah compare the Dringier tactics to the relationship between the Shishak tree and the Char Ant. Uh, and these species were first mentioned in Aftermath Empire's End by Chuck Wendig. Oh. Uh, Orla mentioned sealing the great, uh, this is what I talked about earlier, sealing the progenitor on the Bogan Vault in Starlight Beacon. There's also Bogan Vault in the Temple on Coruscant, which was first mentioned in Dooku Jedi Lost, which houses dark side items. Uh, in issue number nine, we see Stellan report that they received some el- intelligence about the Nihil from the Larisai Assembly. Uh, the Lyrasai are a legend species that were first mentioned in Spectre of the Past. Uh, we also see the first comic book appearance of Gal Tarpfen. He is the other insider short story uh, star, but has not appeared in as many things as Velko. Uh, this is a um, this is not a spoil. If if you want zero zero references to the Fallen Star, close your ears for five seconds. Uh, but Reginald Cole is like makes an off screen cameo in one of these. Um, and then, uh, no spoilers gone, uh, but on, uh, the Warcloud Forge with Zetar, uh, the Nihil are working on Nagnol gas, which first appeared in Star Wars Tales number eight in 2001. Uh, and then lastly, the most weird, crazy one, Kevin, are you just hitting random on <laughs> Wikipedia <laughs> reference is, uh, Keeve told Zetar that she spoke to a, a Batrach gun runner on Portland Ox. Uh, those two things are only ever mentioned in, this is like, the, this was crazy. I never heard of this thing. It's Valkyrie, which is a, like a role-playing games magazine. Uh, it wasn't. It's was not a Star Wars magazine. It's a magazine that houses content on all sorts of formats mm-hmm. of role playing games. And there was there was an article across issues nineteen and twenty in the year two thousand that set up a like little mini like I think one shot campaign or something like that. That was the only ever mention of these two things. That is wild. <laughs> that is what? amazing. That is just yeah. <laughs> That's so, insane. Yeah, uh, that is your Easter eggs for volume two. There you go. Great work. Damn. That's that was, all right. That's always amazing. <laughs> Yes, great work as always. And uh, 
We're at the, there's no better place to end than, than right there on that crazy fact. So we're going to go ahead and say that'll do it for this week's episode of the Cosmic Force. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the show right here on YouTube, where you can hear us live every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. We also encourage you to subscribe to our audio versions on whatever podcast platforms you listen to. Uh, be sure to also visit UT.com for reviews, articles, and news for the entire expanded universe. And we encourage you to join our UTNE Discord community by going to UTNE.com slash Discord. You can also support the show by heading to Patreon.com slash and start receiving exclusive perks starting at just $5 a month. A special thank you to JG Kars, OK Endar, Patrick Ortiz, Carl Sander, and Earl Q on our Jedi High Council, as well as Matt Bellington, Kyle Hickman, Elizabeth Cloutier, Freddie C and Sally and Chris Eilison on our Lions High Command for their continued amazing support. Don't forget, you can tweet the show at Cosmic Force Show or at the host individually. I'm at Ty Rags. Emma is at Irma Jedi 26. Caleb is at Caleb Lamanek. And Jacob is at Jacob Bosch. Thanks again to Emma, Caleb, and Jacob for hosting with me tonight. A special thank you to our list, our chat uh, members in the chat with us tonight live, as well as our listeners and viewers for joining us wherever and whenever you are. We truly appreciate you. And next week, uh, we will be talking about comic books and video games. So be sure to tune in next week for that. But until then, uh, may the force be with you. 